Hi there, and thanks for joining us. Coming up on this week's episode, we look at the business of sport and how three clubs have come together to offer an outstanding prize. We also look at the world of motor finance and a little bit of a fruit compote to finish up with a new company that is making big inroads in a very competitive market. I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast. My first guest on this week's podcast is somebody who has been working to try and raise the profile not just of his own club, but also to raise funds for it and two others through a pretty unique initiative to give somebody a brand new home that will only have cost them €100. Euros. It is a Cork competition, so it has the Corkest of names. Win a gaff. Paul Witchley of Cork City FC, how are you? Uh, I'm very well, Jonathan. Thanks for um, having me on today. Now, you are the boss man at Cork City. How long have you been in that role? Well, yeah, I'm the the general manager um, slash CEO, if you want to call it that, uh, at Cork City for about um, 18 months now. And look, it's been a roller coaster 18 months, but is your background in sport, are you passionate about soccer? How did you end up there? Yeah, um, I I am. I suppose it probably ties in two passions, passions of soccer and, and and sport and also and business and finance. So um, I actually studied finance uh, in UCC many years ago and then I actually moved over to London and I worked in banking in London but I realised that I actually wanted to be working in sport. Um, I always had a passion for that. So I ended up through one way or another anyway. I studied some sports science over in the UK. I ended up working um, in sports development and then my first job in football was working for Millwall Football Club. Okay. Um, I worked in the in the community and the academy coaching. That's and a tough. Horses. That's a tough club to cut your teeth in, isn't it? It is. It's got a bit of a like. It's got a rep, and I have to say, like the the rep isn't true um, as as much as people think it is. It's it's a great club, great people, and um, it's in a you know it's in a it's in it's in southeast London. But uh, I I loved my time there, and uh, it, it was it was hard work, but I loved my time there. So. I went from Millwall and I learned an awful lot there and my first role in, in, in professional football to working for Queen's Park Rangers, so QPR in West London. And I wor- worked there for nearly five years, uh, particularly in the academy, uh, coaching, operations, scouting, a bit of everything. And um, I even then did a bit of work with AFC Wimbledon. Before then, um, I actually set up my own business uh, in kind of football recruitment of staff, PW Football. And then the job advert came up around, as I say, probably about, it's it's coming up to, to two years, but 18 months to, ago. But um, it, Cork was home for you, wasn't it? Yeah, Cork was home, yeah. So as I said, I, I studied finance in, in, in UCC and I also went to, to school, secondary school in Christians. So I was very much like in, in Cork City. And so were you always looking uh, to Cork City FC? Were you a fan of Cork City FC? I was, on? yeah, I was. Look, I won't... I won't profess that I was, you know... Uh, you weren't a, hanging a, around the shed. I wasn't, I wasn't in the shed. I used to go up to St Anne's End um, before even they they had all the, the fancy standards there now. Um, so I wasn't a diehard city till I die as such, but I was a Cork City fan and I went to, I went to the odd game and um, massive uh, soccer fan in, in general. Um, so the, uh, this job came up, really a perfect opportunity to move home. And my wife is, is is from East Cork, so to move home, we'd been recently married. We'd only been married a few months. 
when we actually when the job came up move home start a family which we have and that's all going great congratulations thanks very much and uh, that's all going great and I always said to myself if I was going to move home to Cork and I love home that uh, it would have to be for you know the right job uh, for me in football and career and everything and this was the right job and, I'm, and, and I think it is the right job and, and I do love it. it It's a kind of a weird one though because Cork City FC is kind of unusual. It's 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 fan owned. Like the the forest movement that uh, runs the club means that you have well you have a board, but you effectively have a lot of paymasters. Insofar as the members uh, are, are very much directly involved, is that a bit weird? Given that traditional football management uh, would be responsible to an owner, whereas you're responsible to a lot of people who come through the gate at every game. Yeah, it's it's a good analogy, Jonathan, and I suppose you're you're right with to say rather than to say, rather than weird, it's 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 less normal. You know, it's it's a bit unorthodox, but I have to say that um, I am a fan of it, not just because obviously I work at Cork City, but um, uh, I am actually a fan of, of the Forest fan-owned mo- uh, model of football ownership, particularly in Ireland. I think when you look at the size of the game and how it's run and the size of the country, I think its force has been proven to be a successful model. It still needs to obviously develop, you know, as as force. But um, I think when you look at the finances, they're so di- they're so different in England. Obviously, I worked at a like a club, uh, Queens Park Rangers, a club that was losing millions and millions yet and reported, you know, figures yet it would still carry on you know and I always find that I always found that strange and I still find it strange how there's an industry and businesses that lose a lot of money but they still function you know so that that's not the case in, in Ireland it's it's a lot more difficult Cork has gone into administration twice in our not too you know uh, distant memories and I well, think it, it, it's like in UK particularly at the higher levels it's big money. I mean, you're talking about crazy cash, but True. there's no crazy cash here. Uh, what you're trying to do is you're trying to operate, uh, make sure your players get paid, which is important to you, uh, make sure people come in through the door and enjoy the experience. But if you're washing your own face, you're doing all right. And that, that's that's not quite the commercial bar that you'd be facing in a bigger club in the UK. True, um, but I suppose, you know, in some respects, you kind of nearly have to be, I believe, actually more creative and innovative and maybe even work harder. Because if you're working in the UK, and it's not to say that you're not working hard in other other clubs, but, you know, you do know that there is somebody that can kind of bail you out of such now the rewards are greater in the UK and there's but there's but the risks are greater too that's that's the way it works in risk and reward of course you know um, so as you say washing your face we have to wash our face we can't be making you know big losses we can we can't really make any losses because of how we are, are run so that brings its own I suppose that brings its own challenges and it brings its own accountability it may bring limitations one could say however as I say we have to be creative and innovative so that's where obviously you know an idea such as win a gaff, which you know I know you you referenced there, um, is that's a fantastic idea for us to do a great fundraiser. Yeah. It's creative, it's thinking outside the box, and and hopefully it's also a good story. Well, it's unusual in another way because it's not just Cork City FC. You've brought in Kinsale AFC and Douglas GAA, and they're kind of a disparate bunch. You know, you've got. Different codes, first of all. Did you just meet each other in a random pub and come up with a plan, or, or, or how did you come up uh, to join forces with the other two? No, I know it probably seems like that, Jonathan. But no, in, in, 
in in fairness, um, how it actually happened, the inception of this several, several months ago, we, uh, it was actually Douglas who initially, uh, you know, came up with the idea. So they came up with the idea and they actually were looking to approach uh, many clubs across Cork, across various codes. And we were one of the clubs that they approached. And I know that there were obviously other clubs they, they potentially to be involved. But in the end, it was settled upon that Douglas would go into partnership with Cork City FC and Kinsale uh, Soccer Club. So, Kinsale okay, FC. so the idea is, um, yeah, you get a house, which is a lovely house in, um, it's Temple Hill, isn't it? Uh, yes, yeah, 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 like Ballon Temple, Temple Hill. Ballon Temple, Temple Hill. Yeah, Skihard Road. Yeah, it's a two, it's a two-bedroom department in a very modern complex that's pretty classy and the keys of it can be yours if you are the winning ticket. Correct. You know, it's it's really that simple. And I'm sorry, just to correct myself, it's the Borey Manor Road. The Borey Manor Road. Not the Scared yeah. Road. It's close by. It's not too far it's not from too the Scared Road. Yeah, but, it's, a, but, it's, but it's it's such a lovely part of Cork. Look, all of Cork. You know, Jonathan, all of Cork is beautiful, right? <laughs> they all have lovely bodies. The, 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 the city and county. But it's particularly, like, it's it's got to be one of the most desirable uh, parts of the city and one of the most expensive parts to actually live and buy, you know. And so... As you say, like you can buy a ticket for hundred euro. You go online, winagaff.ie, um, is the simplest way. Also, you actually can buy in in various outlets. There's our club shop, Douglas Village Shopping Centre. There's Douglas um, GA, and there's a few. Uh, there's various outlets in in Kinsale Town as well, and Spar and Oscar Madisons. And there's places you can actually physically, if you want to hand over hundred euro in cash, or you can just go online. Is the most straightforward way, and you're then in with a fair chance with everybody else. Yeah, it's, it's a straightforward draw. One ticket wins the entire prize. Um, look, it, it's kind of risky because you have to make sure that there's enough money to come in to cover mm. the house. Um, Correct. So therefore, um, you, your, your work is cut out for you, but you've had huge support and tickets have been bought not just here in Cork, but right around the globe. So presumably you've got a, an emigrant population looking at this going, well, that'd be nice if I moved home. Hopefully, I think I think there is there is a look. They our, our stats are showing that. I mean, some of the places and obviously not not massive figures, but you know, I know there's for instance there's been purchases in Brazil, you know, um, South Africa, Australia, Canada, um, all around Europe, and all around Ireland. I I would say that very very much the majority is people buying in Cork um, however as you say there is there is that immigrant uh, yeah. around the whole globe and even you know anybody in Ireland it's, it's open up to everyone around the globe to, to purchase um, a ticket Now the the money of course that's raised from this is going to go to a good cause and, and that good cause is supporting Cork City's youth teams um, and indeed the club itself I suppose mm-hmm. and I know Kinsale are looking at training facilities Douglas are looking to reinvest as well it's kind of sad that sport isn't funded properly because it's such a huge and innovative thing but it's good that you've come up with this idea that's able to bring some cash in to do the type of development work that you need. Yeah, I I suppose referring back to what you said earlier about, you know, uh, being able to to run a a League of Ireland uh, club financially, we have to think of ideas like this and, you know, Cork City um, Football Club and all the League of Ireland clubs and obviously there's a huge change going on in League of Ireland and the FAI at the moment as we know well um, is that we get no media rights we get no commercial revenue from from you know our regulator the FAI so 
you know, and there's no other really league in Europe, I think, that, that runs under that kind of financial uh, pressure. So, yes, we have to be innovative. The funding isn't there from us. The funding isn't there from, unfortunately, the funding isn't there from government and from um, the FAI. And that's just a reality. And we have to work under that reality. And it is the same for clubs across the country in various, uh, in various sports. Some get more than others and there's application processes and so on. But definitely the situation we find ourselves in is that um, we need to come up with ideas such as this mm. and to make sure that we obviously pay our bills and are competitive and as you say Kinsale and Douglas are also um, while being their amateur not professional they have massive um, plans and also they have huge numbers playing and participating well they've kids out every Saturday morning and they're doing an awful lot to encourage people to get involved funny thing uh, about all of this is that uh, I also spotted something the other day you put an ad up for a manager can I apply for that, Does that can anyone apply to be the manager of Cork City uh, of course Jonathan it's, it's an open application uh, open, open and transparent application I, I, I oh, assumed uh, that there was always going to be some kind of underhand thing whereby a manager was going to pop up out of something I've never seen the job advertised before. Well, I mean, you may say that, and I I'm not, can't, can't really comment necessarily on, on the history of Cork City, and I, I'm not really sure what advertising processes went on on, on that, because there's not been too many managers of, of Cork City, thankfully. Um, but first of all, to say that uh, there obviously is criteria. So there is criteria stated in the advert, things like, obviously, you know, um, having the, the UA for pro licence or being yeah, on the no, UA for pro licence. I'm, I'm shagged so, straight away. But okay, well, I'm sorry, Jonathan, you can apply, but, <laughs> you know, you mightn't get very far. Um, and look, at the moment, it, it, we're looking for expressions of interest. So it, rather than a formal application process as such, and, and obviously the details are on the, are on the advert online. But also to say, clubs do, are now more and more advertising, like, for instance, I have noticed over the years, like the English FA, they do advertise for a lot of their even senior coaching role positions. And football clubs in England do, like I know, okay, maybe like Man United and Arsenal and appointments in the last couple of years haven't necessarily gone out and, 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 and advertised uh, as such. But lots of clubs actually do now do it. And I believe it is a more transparent and fair process. Um, I suppose if maybe you know, a, a big English club did advertise, they'd probably get so many applicants that just <laughs> wouldn't be able to get through it. Yeah, absolutely. But but, uh, but uh, over here, you might get someone that you weren't expecting to come through the of door. Of course. Which of is course. what you're looking for. Yeah. Winnegaff.ie is the website if people want to get online. It costs 100 quid and you've as good a chance as anybody else who's bought a ticket uh, to go into that draw and indeed to win the gaff. It's car's second prize, isn't it? Correct. And, and there's a cash prize for third. Yeah, so in other words, you've got three chances to win, although you all want to win the top one. Paul Witcherly of Cork City Football Club. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jonathan. Red Business. All that's best about business in Cork. Now, let's take to the roads next. My next guest is the Managing Director of Bluestone Motor Finance, which builds itself as Ireland's fastest-growing provider of motor finance. Donald Murphy, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Jonathan. Pleasure to be here. Um, Look, we're going to have a fairly broad conversation about the car sector, uh, but tell us a little bit about the business, first of all. What do you do? Well, Bluestone entered the Irish car finance market back in 2014. Uh, prior to that, it had spent a couple of years uh, servicing a portfolio that came out of uh, an acquisition through Bank of Scotland. Um, that portfolio consisted of a number of motor loans that had to be managed out. Uh, and during that process, we identified a, a number of opportunities within the Irish market where there was a certain um, proportion of customers who really weren't being served by any of the existing credit providers. Um, And on the back of that, um, 
work, we launched our motor finance offering in late 2014. So is, is it business fleet? Is it individuals? Is it companies? Who do you target? 95% of what we do is for the consumer. Uh, and then a small element as well for SMEs, uh, maybe a one man in his van looking to buy the second van. Um, but I really what we have initially targeted were people who may have had issues obtaining credit in the past, be it because of the financial crisis where a lot of people were caught up in, you know, in circumstances, um, but also people who were forced out of the country. Uh, and have returned and returned with no credit history as such. So they're either having an issue in establishing a credit record or actually repairing a credit record. Now, the way the car industry has gone was a couple of years back, they realised, well, the only way we're going to shift cars is if we provide them with credit ourselves. Mm -hmm. Some of them set up banks, some of them entered deals with the existing banks, but all of a sudden it became easy enough to get credit. But there were still a lot of people who couldn't as a direct result of that. Uh, Did that mean then that you were able to charge more? Um, In other words, were your interest rates higher than what you might get if you were able to get credit off the dealer themselves? Yes, I think uh, our pricing would reflect the level of risk that's attached to the loans um, and they are higher risk loans. Um, So there would be a small element of uh, increased uh, rate being charged. Um, But there is a number of products to suit various different, I suppose, circumstances. And as people repair their credit record, there's an opportunity to reduce that APR going forward. Okay, so in other words, and it's a difficult thing, because I know from speaking to people who come Mm -hmm. back from abroad, it's like you've landed from space, that you've you've somehow, even if you're an Irish citizen born and raised here, you were 10 years gone. So as far as we're concerned, you're a huge risk. Absolutely, it's seen. It can be seen as a negative in the marketplace to not have any credit record whatsoever. And it, it also impacts on insurance and so on. So, look, what's the big trend? Everybody is heading towards electric, aren't they? We'll all be driving electric cars and plugging ourselves in at the end of the night by the end of the year, won't uh, we, Donald? Well, yeah, it seems to be. Uh, we recently sponsored a uh, the Dundee Motor Report, which reviewed the first six months of stats uh, in terms of the new car market. And while the market itself is back. Uh, by, by about 7%. Uh, what you have seen this year in the first six months is a, is a massive swing towards electric and hybrid vehicles. In saying that, it is coming from a low base. And, you know, it's pretty much across the board. It's not region specific. We've seen the same figures uh, in Cork as you would have seen nationally. So, for example, in Cork, for six months of this year, uh, there was 430 electric cars sold new uh, that, versus a hundred of la- in the same period. Yeah, but that's, it's, it's still pimple on the elephants behind, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely, yeah. It's it's coming from a low base, but the trends are there. About 12% of the overall market now is electric or hybrid. Yeah. So um, it is a significant shift. Uh, when will we get to the point at which there's more electric being sold than there is diesel or petrol cars? Diesel suffering currently um, and petrol is starting to close the gap again and is probably only a couple of percentage points off being the most popular uh, again. It's a difficult one to answer. I think the government's plan to have, I think it's a million by 2030, is some way ambitious. And there's going to be issues in terms of supply. Uh, and there's also going to be issues in terms of, you know, if 500,000 people tonight plug in their electric car to charge, what's going to happen to the infrastructure? So yeah, um, but it, won't yeah. go, it won't go down very well. But why, yeah. why don't we then use a kind of a bridge, the hybrid? Why don't we have more hybrids on the road? Um, Hybrids are showing an increase, uh, but I think the switch is to move away um, completely from diesel and petrol. So I think that's why the focus appears to be on fully electric uh, cars currently. Okay. Um, And and the other side of it then, you mentioned government. um, They fiddle around in the market an awful lot, as we know. Um, There's only going to be one 
way that costs are going to go. Uh, we're going to see carbon tax, probably going mm-hmm. to see adjustments in road tax. Uh, you might have some kind of incentive for electric, but driving a car is going to get a lot more expensive over the course of the next couple of years, isn't it? It, it seems to be. It certainly is. And there's a danger that despite, I suppose, the the push um, on the on the green side of things, by taxing and putting more tax on new cars, it sort of drives the behaviour that we're seeing of the high level of imports of diesel cars coming into the country. And even if that is addressed in some of their changes, who knows, after Brexit, um, you may have a situation where sterling decreases further. There's still 100,000 plus cars a year in the UK that can be very easily, you know, transferred into this marketplace and there's no nothing to suggest that prices in the UK could soften to counter any, counteract any fees mm. or surcharges or increases in, in, in the cost of importing so I mean, who it, knows it's, it's fair to say the majority of your customers buy second hand cars would that be, would that be fair? It's a fair comment So where are they getting those second hand cars from? Are they traditionally going to be bought here or are they going to come in from across the water? It's a mix it is a, it is a mix um, but we're seeing you know a, a massive increase in the number of imports. But that's also driven by the f- lack of supply in the Irish market. So we've come out of some very depressed years in terms of new car sales. So hence, there isn't a huge availability of four or five-year-old cars, which are still pretty popular. Um, and it's going to take for a period of time for that to repair. How much sleep are you losing over Brexit? I'm currently not losing any sleep over <laughs> Brexit. <laughs> Um, I'm probably fed up like everybody else is of, of hearing about Brexit. Um, I think they'll find a way. We always seem to find a way around these type of things. It, obviously, it is. The uncertainty is is a big issue. Um, so, I mean, obviously, from a from a cultural perspective, you know, borders are not something we want to see again. Uh, personally, I think they'll find a way to solve the economic issues and commercial issues. Um, so currently not losing any sleep, but would like it to go away. Well, it would, would be much better. I mean, if not losing sleep over that, are you losing sleep over repeated concern that there's an over-availability of credit again, that the mistakes that we made of the past could come back again and maybe in a slightly different form and, and haunt us. Uh, it, you know, it's been it's been addressed in, in property, for example, mm-hmm. uh, with central bank rules. Hasn't been addressed in your area, um, which is car finance. Yeah. And we've often heard that car finance is the next potential crash. I mean, does that keep you awake? It doesn't really. I don't think the, I don't think the market is as big as the property market, obviously. I don't think the numbers involved are as severe. Uh, I do think... Um, the fact that higher purchase and PCP, for example, aren't currently regulated products is 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 a big miss. Uh, I think we'd welcome the regulation. Um, so, you know, there would be, you know, the new central credit register, I think there's going to be a lot more oversight of what's going on in the marketplace than we would have had previously. Uh, that will help. Um, but I don't, I think, you know, the other indicators out there are all very positive, but it's not on the back of borrowings this time around, it's on the back of savings. You know, we're almost at full employment, household income is on the up. Uh, so I don't think we're quite there yet, Jonathan, to be perfectly honest. Okay, well, we wish you the very best luck and everybody at Bluestone Motor Finance. How can people find you on the internet? Uh, our, our website, www.bluestonemotorfinance.ie. Okay, Donald Murphy of Bluestone Motor Finance, thanks for joining us on Red Business. Thank you. The 
only show in town for Cork Business, Red Business. So a very different topic to finish up this week's episode of Red Business, and I'm delighted to be joined in studio by a lady with a French name I had never heard before, but it is a lovely name, Clotilde, and her surname is Fitzgibbon. So obviously there's a story there, which we'll come to in a minute, but Clotilde, you're very welcome oh, to thanks. Red Business. Thanks, Jeanette, and I'm very glad to be here. You Thank have you. respected the number one rule of Red Business. You have brought food products yeah. with you. So, yeah, and, and this yeah. is your fruit compote. Yes, this is it. So what, t- tell me all about it, because I can see it here, but obviously the yeah. listener can't. Well, the fruit compote is, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm French, okay, so compote is a very a, a product that we use a lot in France. It's, we, we consume it as much as we use yogurts. So you just eat it from the pot. So when I came to Ireland uh, 30 years ago, I had my kids. There was no compote there. I was always saying, oh, where is the compote? The PC, there is none. So I had to make it myself, you know. <laughs> necessity you know? being and the mother necessity. of invention. And even not necessarily for my kids, it was for ourselves as well, because I was born on a farm in France and we had a lot of apple trees. So a way to preserve the fruit was as well, you know, you can't eat everything raw. So my mother used to make a lot of uh, desserts with uh, the, the apples so one of them was the, the compote you know so you just cook the compote it's a way to preserve the fruit so we were using it as a dessert so so that's and it's a great it's a great and it's a great nutritious dessert w- Were you surprised when you came here oh, that yeah. the Irish had not yeah, yeah. enjoyed the joy of y- the compote? Yeah very and actually it's funny every French person that comes he, he, to Ireland he, he, who's been living in Ireland for a while they, they he always comes up in the conversation yeah there's no compost here it's, you know, sometimes they look for it yeah, it's like the, the Irishman looking for white pudding in France yeah. it, oh, ju- yeah. it just doesn't it's, happen no. so you, you then decided that um, uh, the world needed to have a little bit more of Clotilde's uh, compost yeah. rather than just your children so when did you start your business? I started in 2011 uh, before that, I was teaching French in primary school, and uh, that was uh, with the pilot scheme with the department. And that pilot scheme finished up. As they do. Yeah, pretty uh, for you know me. That's that's a topic of another day. Anyway, <laughs> we can talk about that another time. But uh, so I I don't know. I I did business studies in France, so I I had always something in mind, and I, the compat was always in my mind. And I said, why not starting it and see, you know? Yeah. And and how did people respond to it once Very, you started hitting the shelves? I was actually, I, I, I made it. I, I sold it in a few super values. And when I was doing tasting, people were there coming to taste. And they, the first questions, and everybody, nearly everybody was asking, what is it? And what do you do with it? <laughs> I said, oh, my God. <laughs> These ignorant people. No, I never say that. But I, 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 I always found it, you know. Just because it was so Strange. natural. It was natural to me. Uh, but you, you use um, 100% Irish ingredients. Yeah. Um, so where do you source your no, the, the, is No, it's not all 100%. Uh, no, because I, I, it's, very, it's very difficult to find fruit all year round. All year round, of course. So I'm using f- uh, frozen fruit. Ah, okay. Yeah, because you have to have for for the consistency and for for the sustainability, you know, to, for for the. So you're sourcing your fruit uh, to bring it in because you can get it year round. Yeah, exactly. Okay, but it's it's, it's manufactured here. It's so. manufactured here, here in Ireland, in Glanworth, where I live, which is near Fomoy. 
And uh, how big has the company gotten at this well, point? Well, the, the company is is not huge. It's, it's still trying to uh, to build up reputation. And I'm, try I'm trying to, to ask, is, is it still just you? or have you? Oh, actually, no, it's still just me. Still just you. Still just me. <laughs> and hopefully try to, uh, you know, to build up again and the, how many shops, the market though? shares. I mean, you, you, you oh, I'm about, com- about 50, 50 to 60 shops. And you know? a lot of super values. A lot you of super values, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, look, th- that you've managed to convince some Irish people to come over to it uh, means that you're doing a good job. Uh, the Fitzgibbon part of your name, is, is that how you ended up in Glenworth? Uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. It's um, back to my roots because Fitzgibbon is a Norman name. <laughs> but no, I married an Irishman. Yeah. From, okay, so it's, it's his fault you didn't have combat on, on day one, is it? <laughs> you can blame him. Uh, so what's the plan? How do you see the company growing yeah, and expanding? Yeah, I, I, I think now that it, it takes a while. And I, maybe I started I started so many years ago, about eight years ago, and maybe I'm just thinking maybe I started a bit too early. Now is the time. Now people are realising that it's 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 they eat more healthy they are very health conscious uh for their kids or, or for themselves and now the retailers are getting much more aware of mm. the importance of eating healthy well, and they they have in 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 a lot of their um uh, stores a health area no the, the health tech section is building up you know and yeah. I know I'm getting a lot of inquiry now good I mean until yeah. 2011 was a tough time to start a business because yeah, there wasn't much going on yeah, but now yeah. now the market is probably a lot more ripe to borrow yes, a fruity exactly. pun uh, for think, this yeah. so people can find it in the in the fridges in Super Valley probably in the food academy exactly. if I'm not, if yeah. I'm not mistaken yeah, yeah. Uh, Clotilde Fitzgibbon thank you so much for bringing in your lovely thanks, fruit Jonathan, compot very kind. I'm thank looking you. forward to having a taste of okay, this later lovely. on lovely thanks Jonathan Red Business All that's best about business in Cork. My thanks to all of my guests again this week. Before I go off and eat all the fruit compote, I'd like to thank Nia Hennessy, who is the producer. Don't forget, all the episodes of Red Business are up on redextra.ie and our town takeover is coming to Mitchellstown. If you have a business in Mitchellstown, drop us an email to redbusiness at redfm.ie. We'll catch you on the next one.